This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book Four, Coming Home. Chapter Three. G sang her song. She sang it twice. Afterwards, she sat cross-legged in the middle of her brother's room, or rather, the room that was not quite her brother's room, and she stared at the jagged hole on the back of the door. This, she said aloud, is stupid. She stood up. G had absolutely no intention of doing what her brother had told her to do. She wasn't going to wait. She wasn't going to go for help. In fact, she was surprised when he believed her so easily. Still, he was like that sometimes when he was distracted. Too trusting. She went to the door and peered through the hole. She was not the sort of kid who was afraid of the dark. Neither was she afraid of what might be in the dark. In fact, very few things scared her at all. She didn't get scared usually. She got angry instead which made it a lot easier to deal with things when they did get a little scary. Fear makes you run. It turns you cold. You freeze up. Anger, on the other hand, is hotter, and it gives you the power to head right at whatever is scaring you so that you can kick it in the shins. Right at the moment, G was angry, angry enough to step through the back of the door and go inside. Her brother was in there somewhere, and she wasn't going to let anything or anyone, not exiles or witches or demons or robot spacemen with lasers, hurt him. And, to her credit, she never once looked back to the comparative safety of the room she had left behind. She moved slowly, picking her way through the dusty passage with care and mindful of her thinly wrapped feet. The floor was littered with all sorts of trash and clutter, Fragments of glass and wood, old newspapers, and even what appeared to be dried leaves and twigs. It looks like, she decided, the sewer grate at the end of their street after a rainstorm. A pile of cluttered trash washed away until it finally came to rest somewhere. It was dark, and she moved carefully. There were twists and turns everywhere with no straight path to follow. The light was so dim that she found herself bumping into walls every so often. She took the turns as they came, not knowing if she was getting closer to her brother or further away. She wondered briefly if she should try to follow a pattern or a path. Maybe he had left little clues along the way so that he could find his way back. Breadcrumbs. It seemed like something he would do. She studied the ground in front of her, squinting in the dim light. Even if that pile of broken glass was some kind of sign, she decided, she had no way of knowing what it meant. She walked on, turning a corner and coming face to face with a horrible, shadowy apparition. She gasped and immediately lashed out, punching it in the stomach as hard as she could. There was a shudder that ran up her arm, a flat point of contact, and then the shadow disappeared in a shower of broken glass. Gee stood for a moment willing herself calm. It had been a mirror, stuck between two of the wooden beams in the wall, and she had shattered it. She'd punched out her own reflection. Seven years, she muttered. Her knuckles were bleeding. She wiped them on a crumpled sheet of newspaper and touched one of the open spaces to her left. Smooth as glass. She stared into the darkness. There was another faint, shadowy shape in front of her. She raised her hand. The shadow did likewise. 
another mirror. She moved on, keeping a hand on the wall, a left turn here, a right turn there. She had no idea where she was going. She was lost. She wanted to call out for her brother to follow his voice and find him, but she didn't know who else or what else, her mind murmured, was here. Deep down, she knew that if all else failed, her brother would come and find her. He was good at finding things. Suddenly, she found herself sprawled on the ground. Her nose was sore. She rubbed it, glad to see that it wasn't bleeding. She stood up, a little dizzy, and reached out carefully. The passage in front of her was smooth like the others, but she couldn't see a reflection. It took her a second to realize that it was glass, plain glass. She'd walked right into a wall, and it had knocked her down. She remembered once when the carnival had come to her school. There'd been a maze, glass and mirrors arranged in a simple pattern of hallways and dead ends. But that had been different. No one got lost in the maze. That maze had been filled with light and laughter and music from the midway. She'd loved it. It had been like walking through a crystal clear lake. This, on the other hand, was a stagnant pond, dark and choked with rubbish and exposed roots. And she was drowning in it. Gently, she tapped the glass wall in front of her, listening to the faint chime. She wondered, suddenly, if she was still in the house. She didn't think that back home there was room for all of this in between the walls. She realized then that she was, more or less, completely lost far past the outskirts of anything familiar, and that her only way out was to hope someone came and found her, or, less likely, to find a way out on her own. She held her breath. She grew up a little bit in the time before she let it out again. She was on her own. Her brother had not come back for her, which meant that he could not come back for her. Something had happened. He needed her. She was just going to have to rescue them both. At this point, it was going to be impossible for her to find her way out again. Without her brother, she was like a ship trailing a broken chain from which the anchor used to swing. She could not do what he could do, but she could at least listen. All around her were little creaks and cracks like any old house makes as it settles. She cocked a careful ear, trying to hear anything different, anything unusual, anything she could follow. And then she felt something run across her foot, something big and heavy and fast. She gasped and jumped back, panting in the dark as whatever it was scuttled away up the passage. It must have been a mouse, she decided. She was comfortable with the idea of a mouse. A rat would have been somewhat worse, a spider was considerably more horrid to consider, so she settled on the easiest, most comfortable possibility. She listened to the mouse, or rather the quote-unquote mouse, as it rustled further down the passage. It dawned on her that while she might not have any idea where she was or how to get out, the mouse almost certainly knew where it was going. She took a few steps towards the sound. It stopped. She waited worrying that she'd lost it. Then she heard the stealthy movement, the scrape of little paws on the floor rustling a bit of paper as it passed. G followed as quietly as she could. 
This turned out to be difficult, as there was all sorts of rubbish on the floor. Every step had the potential to set off a chain reaction of noise. She cringed at the slightest sound, waiting and listening for the rustling up ahead to start moving again. And then she took a step and accidentally kicked something large in her path. She heard it tumble and clatter through the hallway, and in the silence that followed, she heard a frantic, far-off sound as the mouse took off through the maze, leaving her behind. G sat down, frustrated and determined not to cry. Crying meant giving up, and that was something she didn't do, ever. She sat for a while, staring into the darkness and listening. She could hear faint sounds far off in the house, but she had no way of knowing if they were just the usual creaks and cracks or something else. Then a dark figure crossed in front of her, about ten or fifteen feet up the hallway from where she was sitting. She froze, unblinking and unbreathing, nothing but the sound of her own heart in her ears. Below that, faintly, she heard the sound of footsteps moving away. She couldn't be certain, but she did not think that it had been her brother. It looked bigger than him. The footsteps sounded different. More importantly, it didn't feel like him. She listened as the steps faded away, deciding if she should follow after or head the opposite way. Once the hallway was silent again, she counted to twenty in her head and then stood up as patiently and quietly as she could. She moved carefully up the hallway toward the point where she'd seen the figure pass. There was another hallway there, intersecting the passage she was in. She considered for a moment, should she turn left and go the way the figure had come from, or go right and try to follow them? Finally, she turned to the right. She knew it probably wasn't the safest way to go, but she thought it was the smartest and more likely way to lead her out of the maze. At least, she hoped so. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and read by the author, T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. 
Even listening to the damn thing is probably illegal these days. In fact, you should stop right now, just in case the feds are closing in on you. I'd wipe your hard drive, too, just to be safe. You don't want them to find all those Firefly episodes you downloaded from BitTorrent, do you? Wait, did you hear that? Just outside the window? I think it was one of their robotic hounds. The new models have night vision, you know. And now they see everything. Oh my god, I think... I think they might already be in the house.